On this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast, Jinx's first adventure on the world of two moons. Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the award-winning epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. My name is David Mizajewski, also known as my elf self, Thornbreak, and I've been an ElfQuest fan for over 30 years. So join me as we explore the adventures of the Wolf Riders and all of their allies and enemies on the world of Two Moons and beyond. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 45 of the ElfQuest Show podcast. Tonight, we're going to be talking all about issue number four of Stargazer's Hunt. And I've got a really fun special guest host tonight who you're going to meet in just a minute. But before that, as always, a few little news items. Um, Not too much going on in the area of ElfQuest news, but I did want to give a shout out to the ElfQuest Redbubble shop. This is the official merchandise shop for Wendy and Richard Peeney and Warp Graphics. And I think since the last podcast came out, the Peenies have released masks, face masks on the Redbubble shop. So there are some really, really cool, fun designs where you can get your face mask, which we all should be wearing when we're out and about. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. So I hope everybody is keeping safe and practicing social and physical distancing and wearing those masks and washing your hands and avoiding crowds and all of those really, really important things that we all need to do to keep each other safe. And now you can do it wearing your ElfQuest gear, which is pretty awesome. I've got a few of the different masks. My personal favorite is the Picknose one. And you're just going to have to look at it to see what I'm talking about. But it's a big old grin of Picknose. And when you put it on your face on the mask, it's pretty hysterical. So check that out. You can go to the ElfQuest website, ElfQuest.com, and you'll see the shop button. And if you click there, it'll list all the different places where you can get um, all kinds of ElfQuest stuff from books to comics to apparel and everything else. And you'll see the Redbubble store link there. And when you go there, you'll see all the designs available which can be printed on any number of different kind of products in Redbubble. That's one of the beauties of it. And um, so, yeah, just click around and you'll find some really cool face masks there. The only other bit of news is just that with the pandemic, as we all know, issue number four of Stargazer's Hunt was delayed by several months. And thankfully, you know, we're back in, in production and we have this juicy new issue to dive into. As of this recording, we still haven't heard from Dark Horse exactly what the schedule will be for the remaining three issues in the series. Um, so just be patient. Everybody, again, is doing their best to get this next issue out and you know dealing with all of the craziness in the world right now. So we can rest assured that the issue will come out at some point or another. We know that Wendy and Richard and Sonny are committed to finishing the series and they're continuing to work on it. And so um, I personally don't have any doubts that we'll see it soon, but just wanted to give everybody that heads up too. And obviously stay tuned, watch the ElfQuest website, watch the ElfQuest social media pages, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, um, either the official page on Facebook or the fan group, which I know many of you belong to. And so with that said, I am so excited to introduce my guest host 
She's somebody that you probably know well if you participate in the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Shakira, welcome. Hi. <laughs> we have been friends on Facebook for years and we yes. chit-chatted, had all sorts of fun there, but we've never gotten to do a project together. And you have your own you know, lots of your own little ElfQuest projects going on, your mm-hmm. kind of shenanigans and, and <laughs> yes. all of that. So I'm really excited that we finally get to do a little ElfQuest project together. I know. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so before we ta- talk about the issue, tell mm-hmm. us a little a bit about your ElfQuest story. Like how did you find ElfQuest? What hooked you in? All of that good stuff. Well... <laughs> I first discovered ElfQuest when I was in elementary school. I was a little bitty, bitty, bitty whole child (laughs) in the second grade. And um, actually one of my mutual friends, and I believe she's a member in the group, Tori, she brought in one of the comics. I'm not, I can't remember exactly which one, but she brought it into school. She lived right down the street from me. We were on the same bus. And she was reading it on the bus. And when I just saw the cover, I was immediately captured. I had to know what this was. I love the characters. I love the art. To me, I had never seen anything like that before. And I grew up on comics and it just really captured me. And she was nice enough to actually lend me her comic and send it home with me, which is a big thing because us second graders, we didn't want to share anything at all. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. um, from there, it just kind of progressed. I started going to comic shops and my local libraries, and I kind of built up my collection and my knowledge over time. And then I got older. There was a period where I didn't have it for a while, um, but it was also a really dark time in my life. And I used to say all the time in the um, reaction videos that ElfQuest literally saved my life. And I really believe that it did because I was in a really deep, dark kind of suicidal um, stage for a while and nobody expected that from me. But I just remember one weekend, I just Googled it. And that's when I found out that ElfQuest had been uploaded onto the website everything. And I literally spent hours just rereading from the beginning. And it really took my mind out of that dark place where I was. And I really literally believe it saved my life. So I have been hooked ever since. And I'm just like, ah. <laughs> wow, that's, um, that's pretty powerful. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, um, you know, you were in that kind of place. And so oh, yeah. I'm thankful that you did rediscover ElfQuest and yes. that you're here with us today to geek out over Stargazer's yes. Hunt. Thank um, all those shenanigans. So <laughs> when I read this issue and mm-hmm. I was, you know, beginning to think about, you know, who I was going to ask to be my guest host, mm-hmm. because this issue is filled with so much yes. juicy oh. relationship Oh yeah. And crushing, I was like, it's gotta be Shekinah because you are the (laughs) queen shipper and most of your shipping, not between characters in the book, it's between you and characters in the book. (laughs) All of them. (laughs) I think there's no character that you have not fantasized about. None, none, none that I can't think of. Even the trolls, I'm like, hey, pick nose. (laughs) 
Picky's hot. I mean, come on. He is. Like, how can you not love him? Like, whew, don't get me started. Huh, I need a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he started off, you know, a little bit rough, a little bit of a villain. But over right. the years, he's grown on us. And he's a pretty good guy now, I would say. He really is. He really is. It's like, how can you not love him? <laughs> Who else other than Picknose is at the top of your list? Oh, my gosh. Well, Horse Cutter. Then there's Dreon. Yes, thank you. Thank you for Dreon. I'm just so excited. Okay, I got to bring myself in. Mender, Snakeskin, Strongbow, Nightfall, Lita, um, Tamorn, Yellow Eyes. Gotta love Tamorn, Yellow oh, yeah. Eyes. Ronnie She Wolf, Red Lance, Rayek, um, so many. Egg, I fell in love with Egg. I don't even know how it happened, but it did. I was like, ooh, hey. <laughs> um, Woodhue, Long Branch. I mean, literally everybody. <laughs> I could go on and on and on, literally. So see, folks, I was not lying when I said literally every character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's dive into the issue. So, you know, this issue kind of follows two, I guess, you know, storylines, right? The one, yes. the first is Jink and her first adventure on the world of two moons, mm-hmm. which right. started in the last issue. And then the second mm-hmm. is picking up Skywise's journey in the stars. So I yes. thought maybe we could break them apart and start with Jink. Most so definitely, yes. when we last, you know, when we left off in, the, in issue number three, Jink had made the journey to the world of two moons and her goal Mm -hmm. was to try to learn as much as she could about cutter because her wiping skywise's mind of cutter as a child Mm -hmm. so that she could stop his pain at the loss of cutter is what caused skywise to just really have that mental break and to flee and so she is old enough now where she wants to try to fix that problem. And mm-hmm. the first, her first task is to really kind of learn all about Cutter so that she yes. become really familiar with him and, and, and use that as a clue or a guide to try to, you know, find and help Skyway. So mm-hmm. she pops over to the world of two moons and who should mm-hmm. she bump into? But mm-hmm. Good old Goldruff. Oh, Goldruff, Cutter and Lita's <laughs> third child, happens to be out accompanying his wolf friend Darkdell on yes. basically Darkdell's final hunt. You know, he's a really old wolf, and mm-hmm. good old Goldruff is trying to keep to the way and just accompanying mm-hmm. him on on his sort of you know last days and letting right. nature take its course. Right. And pop in, but Jink right at that right moment, and she's not wearing much. Not much. It's the itsy bitsy teeny weeny. It was not yellow polka dot, but it's a bikini. That's <laughs> right. It's like a ribbon bikini. And yeah. um, and of course it's you know, it's getting late in fall, early in the winter, mm-hmm. and it's pretty chilly out. And so oh, yeah. Goldruff offers her his robe mm-hmm. and warms up to warm her up, and then that's where this issue picks up. So I'm just gonna say everything about Jink and Goldruff. I made your fanboying, shipping, <laughs> all of that. But I want your reaction to that. Oh my goodness. It for me, when when they met together, I literally was like, oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Because for me, you have these two last children of our dynamic duo that we all love so much finally getting to meet each other. And so to me, it was just, I don't know, it felt so emotional. It was like <gasps> 
oh my gosh, that's part Skywise and that's part Cutter. And now they've come together and, and they're all so freaking attractive. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I was like, ooh, yes. I mean, I, I have to insert it because it's not me if I don't. Goldruff, that boy is fine. I mean, that boy is fine. He was drawn just right. Okay, I'm not... If I don't say it, I'm not true to the shenanigans, but woo golly. So I was, I, I was shipping all day. <laughs> girl, I'm right there with you. Goldruff. So like, so tell us more about your, why you love Goldruff. I mean, we've barely seen the guy, but like, we've gotten to know a little bit about him so far. So what's your take? We have. So one of the things that I really love about Goldruff is that to me, well, one, he's attractive, <laughs> but other than that, um, he really seems to embody um, a lot of Cutter, a lot of Lita, a lot of Bear Claw. And that's one of the things that I, things that I always respected and just really adored about ElfQuest and the art. You can really see so much of your beloved characters intermingled into those children. So I immediately was like gravitated to him. Um, but he's He's no nonsense for sure. He definitely has that no nonsense trait um, from his grandparents, from his parents. And he's a straight shooter. I mean, he doesn't hesitate to say what's on his mind and how he feels. And there's just something about him that really just feels like old school wolf rider that just made me like, I love him. Like, how can I not? <laughs> I completely agree with that. And you know, it's, it's kind of neat because I, you know, I've been a fan for all these years, right? Just like mm -hmm. you. And right. I can open up these books and still have my jaw drop at the masterful character design, right? I mean, yes. when you look at Goldrop, you immediately see Cutter, right? I mean, it's, yes. it's unmistakable that he's Cutter's kid. Yes. But, and that second look, when you look more closely, you know, again, you mm -hmm. see, you begin to sort of see and appreciate the differences. You see a lot of Lita in him. Yes, yes. You know, his face shape is a little bit less hard square jaw and a little bit more right. heart shaped, right? Mm -hmm. Not quite as much mm -hmm. as Lita, but less of a square jaw than Suntop or Ember, Sunstream or Ember. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's got the light eyebrows instead of the dark eyebrows, but they're still shaggy like Cutter's. Um, he's got mm -hmm. more of a delicate nose like Lita, unlike Cutter. Mm -hmm. So right. it really is, you know, in Wendy's design of him, Again, it's just her magic of bringing in these other characters and making even the visual look of the character a reference point mm -hmm. to their history and you know who they are as a character, which is just genius. Um, the other thing that I love about him is his name. Yeah. So you know, first of all, the first part, gold, right? It's it's kind mm -hmm. of a reference to his hair color. He's got that sort of you know strawberry blonde, slightly reddish tinged blonde hair. Like the, the gold is, you know, and so there's that, that's the obvious. And, and both of his siblings are named after their hair as well. But it's right. the second part of his name and the double entendre mm -hmm. there that mm -hmm. I'm loving. So rough, yes. you know, rough is, folks aren't familiar with that. Like rough is sort of like the hair on the back of your neck, you know, or like, mm -hmm. you know, you, mm -hmm. you have a dog by the rough. It's sort of that shaggy hair right. on the back of the head and the neck. And so it's fitting, right? Cause yeah. he's got the shaggy hair and everything. Oh, yeah. But now that we're meeting him, and like you said, he's sort of like no nonsense, a straight shooter. Mm -hmm. He's a little mm -hmm. bit, what I would say, gruff. Yes. So gold rough, gruff. There's this like sound thing going on. Yes, so most definitely. Kind of the name is yes. just 
and it communicates so much about the character. And I yeah. just really, really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you also said something that I think is really a cool part of his character. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people have said this, he's definitely, you know, that gruffness mm-hmm. gives him this sense of like, you know, kind of old school wolf rider. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just kind of, you know, a wild elf and mm-hmm. he's a little bit snarly and a little bit bitey. Yeah. Yeah. That I didn't even mean to say that, but that, <laughs> we're gonna get back to that part in a little right? bit. Right. <laughs> but um, so everybody keep listening when we get to mm-hmm. discuss Goldruff and his biting. But but it makes me wonder too, or just think about the fact that unlike Sunstream and Ember, right? You know, sort of who were born and raised in these in these years, you know, Cutter's years of, of chief, which mm-hmm. were filled with change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, strife and questions mm-hmm. about yes. what it means to be a wolf rider and all of the, like these big existential questions that mm-hmm. really characterized Cutter's chieftainship and his life, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And we've told that story, right? We're, we're through that. We're, we're, right. we're past that point. Right. That was what the final quest was really all about, is finalizing all of those questions and Cutter's journey and everything, right? So mm-hmm. it just makes me think that Goldruff is... He, he strikes me as not having the same pressures and maybe baggage that Sunstream mm-hmm. and Ember have. Right, exactly. Because he just gets to live by the way. And he's obviously very cognizant of all that has gone before and all mm-hmm. of the questions. And, right. And, but he seems to be really happy to just follow the way. And he kind of right. seems like he's a little bit of a stickler for following. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes. That's you know, the he's word. almost like, like kind of like Strongbow. I guess in a way, but you without know, I really love that. I really love that comparison because that's something that crossed my mind. I really, I really got that, that same kind of feeling, you know, of like, wow, if anybody within this new generation, this new time is going to really kind of the keeper of the way, I don't know why, but I really just felt like this boy is going to be the next Strongbow. Like, no wonder I love him so much. <laughs> well, I have to guess too that it's a little bit of a, his big sister's influence, right? I mean, she is yeah. the chief of the way and mm-hmm. she has made that decision to stay in the world of two moons and mm-hmm. you know, to try to keep the Wolf Rider tribe living by their traditions. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we haven't really seen the two of them interact yet. And I'm really, right. I don't know if we'll get to, um, in this series so. or not, but I want to see that relationship. I want to see, yes. you know, big sister Ember and, you know, pesky little brother, yes. I can imagine, <laughs> you know, when he was little, he was always underfoot and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even, you know, either a pest or like, I could see him being either like a pesky little brother, mm-hmm. or I could also see him being, seeing him being like a, like a little hero worshiper of mm-hmm. big sister, who's like the big bad wolf chief. Right, exactly. Uh, no, 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 no. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but, um, so, Goldruff gives Jink his his fur, you know, his fur robe that Yun had dropped off with him, and mm-hmm. basically invites her to kind of tag along. And right. they just start chatting, and you know, Jink is so excited to be like hearing names and yes. uh, people that she has only heard about back on the Star Home. And mm-hmm. you know, poor Darkdell does have his final hunt. And uh, you know, let, let's talk about those panels. I mean, how gorgeous were what were those scenes with the wolf and the vibe and the nature and the rough 
and and kind of dangerous feel of the world of two moons really come through in the art there it was absolutely gorgeous i mean even as i'm looking through it again here on my tablet it's just it really really paints a picture and what i love is that it's in a way where you feel like you're literally a part of it like i feel like i'm there with them <laughs> you know yeah. but it was just gorgeous it was beautifully done yeah like, and it's so there's just again I, we've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast the contrast between the way that Wendy and Sonny are portraying yes. the world of the moons and the yes. wildness that they convey in the artwork compared mm-hmm. to kind of ethereal, magical, paradise look that the star home has. Right. Like it really just have done a fantastic job with that. Um, Amazing. You know, the world of two moons has a dangerous vibe to it. And that's yes. what this scene is really all about. I think it's, yes. it's, King's first experience with violence and death. It was, I mean, and and I love the way that they did that because even like you said, it's her very first experience with that. I mean, we know that Strongbow did his hunting and everything, but I think the way that that was com- that this was conveyed it was done in a completely different way. That literally, I feel like shocked her senses. What death is? What violence is? Um, and I mean, it really, in its own way, his final hunt, it really got to me, even just his passing. I mean, it was totally natural. It was 100% of what you would expect, but I don't know. I guess it was just, it was so raw, so sudden, so sudden, so violent, so natural that it literally left me speechless. So, I mean, when they were standing there watching and like, oh my goodness, I really felt like I'm there, like, oh. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you yeah. know, no, they um, definitely but... didn't pull any punches with how that. Yes, you know the the scene portrayed. I mean, you see, not gory, not you know gratuitous, right. because right, Wendy and Richard have never made ElfQuest excessive. You know, they mm-hmm. use just the right amount of graphicness to get the yes. job done, and you know that's yes. what we're seeing here with this bear brutally, you know, grabbing on, and like you can just you know, almost see the bear shaking poor Darkdell and snapping his neck and, you know, and so, but you're right. Like Jink is, she, she doesn't have any frame of reference for this. And so when, mm-hmm. you know, Darkdell catches this fish, which by the way mm-hmm. is so beautiful in and of itself, that first panel where we see the fish, um, <laughs> kudos to Wendy for just being able to really capture beautiful stylized, but like accurate wildlife. And I think that's something that is one of the things that I personally love most about ElfQuest 2. No surprises yes. there because, you know, I work in wildlife. But, um, but at any rate, you know, Jinx's comment when the bear shows up and Darkdell has just fought and put every last ounce of his energy into getting yes. a meal so he can survive, you know, mm-hmm. and then this bear shows up and is trying to steal mm-hmm. his food. And Jinx, her mind cannot even comprehend why Darkdell would fight and, you know, fight that fight for life is part mm-hmm. and parcel of existing on the world of two moons. Yes. And she just, you know, has no frame of reference. What does she say? Like, why doesn't your real friend just let it have the fish? Mm-hmm. But that is not the way either. Right. I mean, no. the way is to fight for your life. Mm-hmm. And just like the wolf riders, you know, way back in the original quest, when they were in the war with the trolls, I mean, that was mm-hmm. something that was pointed out in the narrative. Mm-hmm. It was like, it isn't pretty and it isn't it's noble. Not. 
but right. that's what you've got to do to survive. And that's part of the lesson of pain that we ultimately came to learn throughout the rest of the series. So it's really, um, you know, you really see Jinx complete not naivete when it comes to mm-hmm. that aspect of living. I mean, even just mm-hmm. her facial expressions and then she sends to Goldruff, never have I seen. She's clearly like in a little bit of shock, but not yeah. traumatized, right? Right, right. Um, and then after that's done, you know, there's that last panel of Goldruff with tears in his eyes mm-hmm. and he's saying, okay, we can go back now and we can take the palace pod mm-hmm. because we're not, you know, we don't have Dark Belt with us anymore and we're not trying to, you know, stick to the way. Like it's, it's an indicator to me that he's a stickler for the way. Yeah. But maybe he's not obsessed with it the way that Strongbow got to be. Right. Which ended, frankly, being his undoing. So yeah. um, <laughs> I do wish that we had seen one panel with a howl for Dark Dell. Yeah. Just cause we all love animals and it is sad when they yeah. go. And, um, you know, it, it probably would have been a little bit disruptive to the storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I like to think that they still did it, even if we didn't see it. Right. Cause that is their way, you know? <laughs> yeah. So why don't you tell me your reactions to what happens next? So they get back to Father Tree Holt. Because it's daytime. And what happens next? Well, (laughs) I've waited my whole life for this moment. (laughs) Well, so they get back to the hole. And as you said, of course, uh, it's day. So everybody's sleepity sleep sleep. And um, that it takes, it's the perfect opportunity for them to tree together in the furs, you know. Get a little comfy, get a little warm. Uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to get my little tablet, you know. And so one of the things that is so cute is as, you know, Goldruff is all snuggled up against Jink. Um, he's like, because of you, this day won't seem so sad. And I'm like, mm-hmm, I'm sure it won't. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I just love, I mean, even just the way that they look lying together there. It's, um, it's just, it's so beautiful to me. I got so jealous. I was like, I wish I was there. <laughs> it does look cozy. It looks mighty cozy and warm. I'm not going to lie to you. And um, <laughs> I, I, but the funniest thing to me, and I literally like laughed out loud was when Goldruff bit Jane. And she's like, wait a minute, you bit me. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm a biter. And I'm thinking to myself, where'd you bite, sweetie? <laughs> we need more details here. <laughs> and but it is so cute that from based on what I'm seeing, it seems like she bit him back after his invitation. And I think that would have been so funny to see little Jink <laughs> biting onto gold rub. But it, it was just, I mean, I was like, okay. Like I literally had a whole fangirl moment. Like I probably threw my tablet. It was just like rolling around on the floor. Like, oh my God, they're trained together. Ah, me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, this is another, this is a good example of what I was just saying about Wendy and Richard and their storytelling Mm -hmm. never being gratuitous. Don't show us exactly what happens in that tree den. We just get to see Mm -hmm. the little conversation about biting and Goldruff saying, it's all right, you can bite too. And then there's the pause mm-hmm. of the panel with nothing. And then Jink bites back. And so, yeah, again, more <laughs> classic elf question. But here's what I have to say about this. 
if mm-hmm. fan service is wrong, I don't want to be right because this Period. is, you know, you could argue is a little bit of fan service because we're all rabid to see all these kind mm-hmm. of hookups and relationships, especially between oh, yeah. Cutter's kids and Skywise's mm-hmm. kids. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you could argue that this was the, the peenies and Sonny throwing us, you know, a little bit of fan service treats and, I am here for it. I'm living for it. I want more yes. of it. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> service is an okay thing. I want to call attention to that panel that you were just talking about with them mm-hmm. kind of all snuggled up under the fur. One of my favorite mm-hmm. panels of the entire comic. Yes. Again, it's just perfect. I don't know any other word to describe it. Again, Goldruff, you can see Cutter in him, but he's mm-hmm. distinctly his own elf. Jink, mm-hmm. you can see Skywise in her, but again distinctly her own elf and mm-hmm. you know what it's not no, nothing is more elf quest than meeting somebody and immediately jumping in the first <laughs> yep so, that is love- pure elf quest right there yeah darn why can't i be an elf <laughs> <laughs> well you know i mean being an elf is a mindset so hey you know, we'll, we'll be a little bit more elfy in whatever ways we choose right right <laughs> uh, so from that delicious little encounter we yeah. go into basically this this kind of scene where jink meets everybody in the world of two moons yeah. i actually really loved this little this little section of the comic mm-hmm. because number one you know a good way just to remind readers maybe who aren't as obsessed as, as me or you. Right. Who all the different characters are and some of the different groups and players that mm-hmm. may or may not play a big role in this mm-hmm. particular tale, but it's kind of like a check-in with mm-hmm. all of our favorites and our beloved characters and a little bit of a who's who of the world of ElfQuest, which I think is always a smart thing to do in yeah. small doses when you've mm-hmm. got a 40-year-old tale. Yes. And you have people that are coming in at all different angles and points and maybe not familiar with who all these characters are. But um, mm-hmm. I really love that that little like sub scene within here yes. just for that alone that we got to meet all these different people. But each little visit that Jink does tells us so much, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, the first one, obviously she's meeting the Wolf Rider. So she gets to meet Ember and mm-hmm. she's saying, you know, all of these names and you know, I recognize them and Tear and Nightfall and Pike. And then Pike does his little wave, which- <laughs> So cute. <laughs> so cute, right? Also so Pike too, right? Um, Literally. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, basically the boys of the tribe- Yeah. Are all over Miss Jake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we got Sus, we got Pool, kind of- jostling and elbowing to get their way in and meet this beautiful new maiden and um good old gold rough is <laughs> gruff and snarling at the competition i love him <laughs> yeah. i don't know if free touch which way she kind of has her you know tastes i right. mean it seems like she's definitely into the boys mm-hmm. but if she wasn't or if she were also into the girls, mm-hmm. I think it's funny that it's the boys that are, you know, being all amorous and elbowy. It's right. <laughs> the difference between like teenage boys and teenage girls. Like even yes. if Free Touch was into it, she's she doesn't feel the need to go up there and swagger. Right. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I'm 
if I, if she was, she's playing it cool. She's like, I'm just going to stay back here, you right. know, and just admire from a distance, you know? Yeah. And the guys yeah. are like, oh, fresh meat. <laughs> told, yeah, I mean, honestly, and I say this in the most endearing way possible, Sust, Pool, and Goldruff are being stupid boys. <laughs> they really are, most definitely. <laughs> I was like, come on now, guys. I mean, like, give her a second. I mean, come on. But it's cute nonetheless. It is. Um, it's adorable. So then we have the meeting between sisters. Yes. And what, I, what I really love, I it's so much love here. Um, even when they embrace, like you really, it feels like they grew up together. You know, it doesn't feel like they've been apart from each other. It's just this automatic connection, this automatic pure love. And you really feel that here in these these panels, the excitement, the joy. And of course, you know, looking at them both together, you see so much of Skywise in them. But even though there's still those differences from their mothers, but I really just enjoyed this coming together. Um, Cause I don't know, I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, how is this gonna go? How are they gonna meet? Is it gonna be kind of like, awkward distant but there was none of that it was just pure oh my gosh it's you and I just really love that yeah I did too I thought it was really cute and I'm glad you called out like their physical differences because again mm-hmm. you can look at both of them mm-hmm. and you can see skywise in both of them but in very right. different ways you know actually another thing that I thought was really cool in this whole issue mm-hmm. is you know Ember says you know any daughter of Skyways and Tamane would be a high one who glows like the moons. Mm-hmm. This issue, again, we kind of, you know, they refer to Jink as a high one. Right. And this is something that is a little bit hard to wrap your mind around because mm-hmm. up until now, or up until really kind of the, the second half of Final Quest, the high ones were something from the past, right? Mm-hmm. They were extinct. Yes. And never did I imagine that we'd get to a place where the high ones were reborn right and exactly. you know and that is now like the the the, the former palace dwellers after they left mm-hmm. you know they they became the new high ones or now mm-hmm. just high ones right and it's it's a really interesting growth in the in the greater elf quest tale right and it really does at least for me kind of put it really emphasizes the finality of Final Quest. Yes. And that being a real kind of bookmark. Yes. Endpoint in the storytelling world of ElfQuest. That yes. it's sort of like everything up to the like pre-Final Quest, pre-end of Final Quest, mm-hmm. and everything after it. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of exciting because this yeah. is the very first dip of our toe into whatever else is to come. Yes. You know, down the line. And that's <laughs> mind-blowing to think of. But this whole idea that high ones are walking around mm-hmm. is pretty pretty neat and something that I never thought would happen but it is embodied by Jink. Yes and I love that you brought that up because that's something that I even I had thought of um, at one point it's having so many new high ones or just the high ones it like you said is mind-blowing you know originally the high ones were legend they were this you know these mysterious beings who we really didn't know anything much about, um, or at least when I first started, I was like, what's a high one? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know. Uh, but it was, you know, 
so then when we got to like the siege of blue mountain and everything and we got to see the gliders and everything for the first time i was like oh my goodness could these be hard ones it was it was so poof and now like you said it's like the finale the finality of um final quest now we have these new elves who have grown in power and in strength and enlightenment and the rid the sun folk now they're like the new high ones and now it feels normal as opposed to like oh my gosh what is this this is so rare you know it's a right. normal thing and it really shows how everything is like coming together full circle right they're really just now another kind of elf yeah you know, yeah. We've got elves and we've got go back elves and wave dancer elves and now we have high one elves yeah and the high one, of course most of them are living on the star home right but it's more about their i think their physical appearance right they are yes. tall but mm -hmm. it's more than that because the wave dancers are are, are tall right right and they're mm -hmm. not high ones right so high mm -hmm. ones is more, is more than just their physical appearance it's their mm -hmm magical ability and probably yes. the the oft talked about hum right they're probably mm -hmm. fine it's just probably at a higher pitch and level mm -hmm. because they get to live in their paradise and mm -hmm. you know, sort of at a fully charged battery state of mm -hmm. all of their potential which is not the case yes. back on the world of two moons which oh no as we know kind of dampens that so so anyway pretty neat stuff so then we see lita yes who is so different. Yes. Oh my goodness. It, oh, it's like, how do you, dis it's, it's almost impossible to describe into words because if you initially look at her, you know, some may say, well, I really don't see a difference, but in a way there is something so different here and it's very regal. To me, I really felt like I was looking at Sava there. There's a certain wisdom there. There's a certain air there. We know she's always had it, but she's really taken on her role as mother of uh, mother of memory. Uh, and it just, everything about her seems different, but in a really beautiful essence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything you just said and what it really makes me curious about is, well, number one, we learn that from Lita, that 40 years has passed yes. since the palace left. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe there was a few more months, maybe another year at the end of Final Quest after that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not 100% sure on the exact amount of time there, but, um, you know, roughly 40 years has passed, almost 40 years since Cutter died. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, Lita is not, at least from this one glimpse of her, Mm -hmm. She's not the the maiden twirling and dancing with her, you know, her her colorful scarves. Um, mm -hmm. She's not the, you know, the playful kind of princess that we mm -hmm. once knew. And of right. course, her character developed greatly over the course of everything leading up to now. But yes. there's this significant jump in her demeanor, mm -hmm. how she speaks. Mm -hmm. um, everything about her, her hum, her vibe that we're getting yes. through these pages. Like you said, what was the word you used? Regal. You know, she yes. does have coolness like Saba had. Yes. And um, it's just really fascinating. It makes me wonder like what her life is like post cutter. Yes. And it's, she has embraced this new role mm -hmm. and has evolved into something new and different. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of one of the main messages of ElfQuest. Change is growth. And yes. it's always happening. And like you said, you know, it makes you wonder what took place within these 40 years. I mean, 40 years may not be anything, you know, it's like a drop in the bucket, you know, to the elves on the world of two moons. But for us, you know, real life five fingers, you know, that's a big jump. So much can happen in that time. And it really made me curious as to see how much must have changed um, in that time since the palace left. And like you said, just looking at Lita here, it really shows that there has been a significant change. Even how Jink, her knees buckled, you know, when she saw her. I really, I felt that in my spirit, <laughs> you know, yeah. when I saw it was her, I like, even I felt like I was going to drop down to the floor and I was laying in the bed. <laughs> but there's just something there that just really, it really gets you. And I absolutely love it. I love this change. I love this growth. Yeah. And you know, the, the fact that Jink automatically gets that really even before mm-hmm. Lita even speaks mm-hmm. tells us something, right? This is yes. like Lita is, is humming at a higher level and Jink can perceive it. Yes. Um, that he has become something maybe more akin to a high one. And obviously mm-hmm. knows who she is mm-hmm. because of stories from back on the star home where she grew right. up. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Sunstream has talked all about his mom and, and um, she probably heard about Lita from Skywise when she was little, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so Lita has really gone through a major transformation and yes, again, I don't know if we're going to revisit the Wolf Riders and the rest of this tale, you know, I mean, this might be it for Stargazer's Hunt. It just but might it, be. It is a delicious little get together and very um, fulfilling, a fulfilling yes. meal for the soul, I think, to get to. I, I agree. If if we never see these guys again throughout Stargazer's Hunt, I'm okay. You know, I would be okay because yeah. it really it shows that there's been enough growth, there's been enough love, there's been enough of the way here where I'm like, okay, everything is fine. I'm good. I don't have to know every little jot and tittle. I'm I'm good. <laughs> exactly. So <clears throat> free touch comes in and is like. You don't need gold rough, stinky old robe. Take this beautiful white fur robe. Yeah. That later learn she had already promised to Queen Oddbit, but we'll get ah. to that. <laughs> so Jink puts on the, her fantastic white fur robe, and then she continues again her tour of the world of two moons. Yun mm-hmm. and her team up and combine their palace pods and zip over to the Gobacks Lodge, which we mm-hmm. learn is not too far from the Wolf Riders Hunt or yes. Holt. And I'd imagine that it's far enough away that they're not competing for the same prey right. and food and everything, but close enough that they're still kind of considered neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they have to take the palace pod there tells me that it's probably a couple days journey at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least. You know, away, which is far enough away. Um, mm-hmm. But I love elfin interiors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm getting to see the inside of their homes. Yes. And, you know, the, the father tree isn't very big on the inside. It's not like they're hanging out in there other than mostly. Right. Just, so they just have these cozy little dens, but mm-hmm. the Gobax lodges have always been a little bit bigger. Oh yeah. And I just love seeing them. And I commented on this back in the final quest days when we first mm-hmm. visited with the Gobax up in the frozen North. 
and the frozen mountains and how under Venka's leadership, the inside of their lodge was a little bit cleaner and a little yeah. bit more bright. Yeah. And I feel like it's, it's even now like a step further along from that. And I haven't really sat and analyzed this panel. Mm-hmm. It's really just an impression, but now that I'm looking at it, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they've got art in there. Of course, it's like war art, you know, right. like their helmets and their swords are sort of hung mm-hmm. in a decorative way. You see these carved wooden beams with plants on them. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems a little bit more refined than yes. we've seen before. Yes. Don't you just want to be there? <laughs> I mean, I really just give me a cot and put it in front of the fire yeah. and I'm good. Exactly. And I, I just think, mm-hmm. go ahead. I just want to curl up with, you know, a bear skin in front of that fire. And, I you know. know. <laughs> and I think one of the things that I think really brings it out, um, how they have decorated the lodges, I'm going to put some of that on their new chiefess. Yes. Talk, talk. Audrey. <laughs> I'm going to give a lot of that to her because she grew up in the Sun Village. And of course, they were very, their homes were very beautiful, very decorated, very colorful. And I really feel like she brought a certain kind of beauty and homeliness into the the Goldbacks Lodge, which used to be more so kind of cold and, and you know, now it's like, oh, it's home. <laughs> and I give that to her. And I yeah. love that we have, that she's the new chief. It threw me for a loop. Oh my goodness. I was not expecting that at all I literally probably screamed <laughs> I was like well, ah. <laughs> no but I had that same reaction honestly when mm-hmm. we learned that Venka that they kind of basically voted for and pushed Venka yeah to their chief. and you know really that I think that tells us a lot about the go-backs mm-hmm. and that is that as much as Kavi could be frankly a little judgy of other elf elf different kinds of elves and yeah. other elf tribes that the go-backs themselves are happy to be led mm-hmm. and they always have had such a reverence for quote-unquote like high elves mm-hmm. you know they they referred to Aurori as like near high one I think they called her right she was living with them and they just seem to be okay with the fact that they're rough and tumble down-to-earth warrior mm-hmm. types Mm-hmm. And that they recognize that there's other people out there that might be a little bit more wise than they, mm-hmm. and that <laughs> could be good leaders. And they're kind of happy mm-hmm. to follow. Like the go-backs are, I guess, in a way, natural followers. And that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. Right, exactly. I agree 100%. I definitely agree. I'm really, I'm seeing a pattern. Um, as you said, when you got, when we had Venka as their chief, and then now we have Audrey and it just really is like okay go back I see what you're doing here I like it <laughs> well and also we get to see that Audrey and two edge are still a thing yeah yes two edge my other husband <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just have to say again how happy I am that two edge has found a little bit of happiness yes you know, my he baby was, deserved it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a tortured soul and he did some, mm-hmm. you know, let's be honest, pretty rotten things. Yeah. And manipulative things. But, mm-hmm. you know, if anybody has an excuse, mm-hmm. you know, he was tortured 
physically and mentally as a child mm-hmm. and basically all of his life which mm-hmm. lasts for thousands and thousands of years he was essentially mentally and emotionally abused by his mother yes which I can't even imagine mm-hmm. so we'll give him a little bit of leeway for his his own shenanigans exactly and, um, and I feel like he's a child right I do yeah yeah and he seems happy I mean look at his dopey little face <laughs> he is so cute right he just has this very contented kind of goofy look on his face mm-hmm. and it's almost a proud face as Audrey yes. getting kind of celebrated as the as the go-backs chief so and I just I love this coupling together because it was so unexpected I never would have expected her and him to be together but at the same time it's perfect I really feel like Audrey is perfect for him and it just seeing them together it's like (laughs) my soul (laughs) (laughs) and of course Uh, I have to mention I see my baby here with the Roman nose I have named her Serene mm -hmm. I don't know her real name but I love (laughs) this woman so much I do too she's like my favorite go back yes she's just awesome and we don't know anything about her. Like you said, we, we don't, don't even know what her name anything is. Anything about her. <laughs> I was Just really that. in love when she started like fighting. They had her, um, I think in the final quest and she was wearing like her full dress down to that was like ankle limb dress. I'm like, this girl has on an ankle limb dress and she's just like slaying folks with her sword. Like, I love you, girl. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah, she did. She had one of those long style tunics on. Um, yes. But she just has such a strong design. She does have the Roman nose, which mm-hmm. most elves don't. They have these little, you know, upturned noses and everything. Yeah. So she just stands out. And, you know, she's not, she's very similar to many of the other go-back women, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She's kind of no-nonsense. She's got a sharp tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, she says what she thinks. Mm-hmm. She honestly, to me, looks a little bit like Kavi. And she so, does. He's got to be, I mean, like half the go-backs are probably Kavi's kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, right? Yeah, so, probably so. <laughs> right. She definitely has some Kavi genes in her, but um, but yeah. I was really happy to see her show up here as well. And, um, you know, just, well, what does she say? Well, she's talking about Audrey keeping two-edge in line by rock-shaping his butt to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> And and, Nun and Jink all and and she all have a good snicker over that, right? <laughs> so it was nice to kind of visit with the Gobacks, and you know we the, the main point here though in the story is again Jink getting to learn a little bit about Cutter. Yes, and that's what's so you know the, again the, the the these these scenes where she visits all the tribe totally gave me a little like a, a nostalgia and a sense of family mm-hmm. because they're talking about Cutter and all the ways mm-hmm. that he changed the world yeah. and made me feel sad and it made mm-hmm. me feel missing Cutter, but it yeah. also made me feel so fulfilled as a mm-hmm. reader. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the right word is, but it's like, it's like happy sad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's gotta be a word for that. You know there's what I mean, right? definitely one somewhere, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so, you know, the go-backs are, are talking about how, you know, Cutter was the one who had the brilliant idea of allying with the trolls instead mm-hmm. of just fighting them and how yes. that really kind of changed the go-backs world. 
yeah. to the point where their life mate is, you know, or their chief is life mated or love mated with a half mm-hmm. troll, you know? Yeah. That was pretty insightful. And, you know, we see that as we go through. So they go mm-hmm. next to the tropics and they go visit with your other husband, Snakeskin. <laughs> My other husband. Ooh, hey. How many do you have? <laughs> like 20 so far. <laughs> And same thing, you know, we get to hear the wave dancers' memories of Cutter. Yes. And, you know, again, this is sort of the, the, a really nice way of kind of re- revisiting kind of mm-hmm. key moments in Cutter's life mm-hmm. over the previous 40 years. So, mm-hmm. you know, Snakeskin is remembering the fact that Cutter actually helped his father, Serge, mm-hmm. you know, realize that you can't lead from fear, right. you know, and that you can't lead from fear. And so, you know, good lesson, you know, to learn. It's really kind of quintessential cutter there. And mm-hmm. Corfe pops up. And, you know, mm-hmm. Corfe is another character that we met really, you know, in Final Quest, but mm-hmm. she had a ton of screen time. So she's still a largely unexplored character. Right. And we learn that she hangs out with Cutter's spirit. Yeah, that blew my mind, David. I'm not even going to lie to you. When I read that, I got so emotional. I don't even know why, but I was really so emotional. And there was a part of me that was like, give me a, you know, a background panel that's like a memory so I can see it. But we didn't get it. So I'm like, that's okay. But just the thought of that was really in its own way healing for me. And it really just kind of, because I'm sure a lot of us took Cutter's death very hard. And I know when I got to it, I literally probably didn't finish reading the final quest for like a day. And I was crying so hard, like under my covers. I'm like, oh my God. And, but seeing that his spirit is just free and happy and that he's, with his granddaughter and it just it really brought me a certain level of peace and healing there that I didn't even know that I needed until I got there so (laughs) know exactly how you feel or felt because that's exactly what I got out of as well and and um, you know just this idea of her kind of floating on the tip of a wave and cut her you know, his spirit swirling around her and, you know, taunting her to follow him up into the sky is just, it's just kind of so perfect. The other Mm -hmm. thing that I adore about this scene, little tiny detail, Mm -hmm. is Jinx hanging out on the beach and she's half buried in sand with her feet sticking out. I mean, who hasn't done that when you've been to the beach, right? Literally. (laughs) Right? It's just like what you do. living the life. (laughs) You know, tiny little detail, you know, I don't know if Wendy put that in there or if that was something that Sonny came up with. But um, again, just the little details that add such flavor to this delicious dish that's ElfQuest. Yes. Just a little thing like that, um, that they didn't have to do. You know, Jin could have just been sat sitting there. But the thought that went into designing these mm-hmm. panels is just so clear mm-hmm. from that. Um, and it really shows that she's really getting to know the world of tunes and even how like the ecosystems are different, probably than from, I'm, I'm really sure from where she's from, you know, it's probably like, yo, sand, what is this? I mean, they're like, hey, let's put it over you. And she's like, oh, I love this feeling, you know, <laughs> so seeing her really get to not only travel and learn about Cutter, but learn about the tribes where she's going and 
learn about the different ecosystems of where she's going. It's really, I really feel like she's literally going like on a tourist trip and she's like, oh my gosh, there's so much to yeah. see. There's so much to do. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I get that same thing. Um, okay. So Reef's been working out and I'm here for it. Oh, look at him. Yes. Right? Do you see that? He's not so he spinny. Has. I, I like, I'm zooming in on it. <laughs> he's bench pressed a couple of coral reefs or something. I mean, he's, yeah. he's filled and out. So, hey, Reef. So, you know, where we left, left, where we last left Reef, you know, he was kind of the shattered mm-hmm. soul. He was the broken one. Yes. He, you know, he was healed and reshaped, but he was so timid. You know, he was afraid to send that he wouldn't go to the palace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. he slowly came out of his shell to the point mm-hmm. where he had his own transformation and you know that beautiful yes. moment where he realizes his full shape-changing potential and yes. shapes himself into what the broken one could have been right mm-hmm. into this, mm-hmm. this sea creature powerful kind of the opposite yes. of his you know high one self um high one type yes. self and yes you know but he still he, you know, when, when he was faced with Winnowell, even his, mm-hmm. his monster reef form wasn't strong enough. Mm-hmm. He kind of reverted back and he was cowering in Corifei's arms. So we're 40 years down the line. Mm-hmm. And I wonder mm-hmm. how much growth reef has gone through into like bringing those two parts of himself together. You know, and I'm wondering if day to day walking through life, he is able to channel mm-hmm. some of the bravery and protective spirit that the monster form reef is all about into his mm-hmm. everyday form. And maybe that's why he's a little bit more muscly. A little more buff there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I really love and to me, even like in these in this panel here, we see him, he's he feels more confident, you yeah. know. And I know that's weird because he's, you know, not exactly at the forefront, but compared to what we're used to seeing from him I really feel like he has had a lot of growth and I'm sure you know hanging around Corifei has you know helped bring out a little bit of a you know that stronger side of him um but I I really enjoy seeing him now um it really just kind of opens up your mind to all the possibilities of what could have happened in that time but he's looking good he's doing good apparently (laughs) now i would be remiss if i didn't say we could be completely inventing all of this in our minds and that that was not the intention whatsoever but until we hear otherwise (laughs) i'm sticking with it right exactly (laughs) all right so we visited with the Wolf Riders, we visited with mm-hmm. the Go Backs, we visited with the Wave Dancers, mm-hmm. really the last three yeah. known elf tribes on the world of Two Moons. We know there are other elves mm-hmm. out there um, that were mm-hmm. kind of hinted at in Final Quest, the Fire right. Elves, and the Shape Changed mm-hmm. Elves. And, well, we know the Rootless mm-hmm. Ones presumably are still out there. Um, I kind yeah. of wish they had visited with them. I forgot about them and they're like my favorite group. Yeah. But at any rate, we kind of visited with the elves, and then mm-hmm. Jink wants to go meet King Picknose and see if he remembers Cutter. <laughs> and of course, he remembers Cutter. <laughs> of course, um, you know, of so course. We, we zip back to the you know the Father Tree Holt Forest, under which mm-hmm. King Picknose is now reigning, and he's sitting in Graymung's old 
throne chair that we saw in the very first mm-hmm. issue of ElfQuest and uh, maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe reshaped a little bit with Audrey's help or something like that. But, um, but you know, Pycnos is something really powerful here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, you know, the cutter, you know, that's an elf that grew on me. And he said, he delivered the great apology that restored troll yes. honor and pride throughout the world of two moons. Yeah. And that's something that I actually hadn't really thought about when Cutter delivered that apology on behalf of all of the elves to all mm-hmm. of the trolls when he said it to mm-hmm. the first member troll. Um, mm-hmm. That it was it wasn't just about the elves owning that, you know, they kept the 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 original trolls basically as pets mm-hmm. or even slaves. Mm-hmm. It was about unfettering and you know, no pun intended there the trolls themselves, right? Right, right exactly. The setup in the original quest was that the trolls, rightfully so, now we know, were bitter about the elves mm-hmm. and they were afraid of the elves. Yes. I mean, that was Guttlecross's whole thing. Mm-hmm. He turned into a monster right. because he was terrified mm-hmm. of being in you know, a prison like his ancestors had been. So he fought back yes. tooth and claw in the most vicious way possible. You know, mm-hmm. And the nasty attitude the trolls had towards the elves was because of how the elves treated them and mm-hmm. never owned up to it. So of course mm-hmm. the trolls were going to be mistrustful of the elves and try to oh, swindle yeah. them and, you know, get, you know, so, so now though, you know, the fact that Picknose is saying like, because of that apology, you know, we now have like, you know, it kind of gave us back a sense of pride that like, we don't have to worry about that anymore because mm-hmm. you owned up to it. And almost it's almost like, let bygones be bygones, which mm-hmm. is big on, on on all sides of that conversation, right? Yes, um, yes. So I really love that. It just showed how much the trolls themselves have grown and changed over the course of the story and really emphasized the power of that apology, which was kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. And it really yeah. shows that it really just makes it more prominent. The really important role that Cutter played throughout ElfQuest, I mean, as we like, I already knew it, but going through these panels as Jink goes to visit its tribe and goes to visit, visit the trolls, it really solidifies just how important Cutter was. Um, he literally changed the world. He turned the world upside down from what his ancestors knew and what how they were living. And it may have seemed kind of strange and unnecessary and extra to you know a few but he really in the end brought about a great time of peace and unity um not just among the elves but even amongst the trolls and just the world of two moons um as a whole and it really just made me appreciate him all the more for everything that he did and what he stood for and I mean he he turned the world upside down and I love him for that yeah I think owning the sins of the past if you will of Mm -hmm. the elves in terms of how they treated the trolls was probably one of the most important and powerful things that Cutter ever did yeah and I love the way that you just said just kind of positioned that like he changed Mm -hmm. the world and now we're in a whole new world Mm -hmm. where elves and trolls are equals and they live mm-hmm. in presumable harmony. I'm sure there's little tiffs and spats <laughs> here and there, like of course. <laughs> Queen Ovid, 
Oh, man. For because rightfully so, it was promised to her. True. And then what does Jink do? <laughs> She's like, well, you know, hey, this is yours. You can have it. And she just does the most elf thing that she could have done and she's just stripping down and she goes topless and she's like here you go and I'm like I love this girl so much (laughs) just throws the whole throne room in like a whole tizzy (laughs) well again you know we know that trolls have maybe a little bit more of a conservative view towards nudity than the elves do and so (laughs) light of pink topless just puts them all over the edge and Oddbit just cannot, you know, cannot even believe that she would do such a brazen thing. But um, <laughs> but then we see Miss Trinket. Yes. And Miss Trinket is all into Jim. And I am here for yes. it. <laughs> yes. I love me some Trinket. <laughs> what did she say? She says, Jink is resplendent, which is just yes. such a great word. It's and perfect. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Trinket as we go on, but... Mm-hmm. I am loving everything about Trinket now yes. that where, where we see her in her life now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we get a little, little bit of a glimpse of how the rest of the trolls see Trinket. Yeah. Now, we got these two gossipy ladies in the back kind of talking mm-hmm. smack about her, how, you know, mm-hmm. she thinks elves are beautiful, gross and flowers too. Ick. And they, you know, they call her out for, you know, not settling and finding, you know, a mate. And Oddbit says the same thing in the next scene when they're having dinner with, with Jink and Yun, you know, she gives her a little bit of shade about not finding a husband. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Jink looks like she don't care, right? Exactly. She's going to do what she woman. feels she like She don't need doing. no man. <laughs> That's right. She's going to do what she feels like doing. And clearly what she feels like doing is Jink. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. You know, and who can blame her? I mean, it's a good thing that the, you know, the quote unquote stupid wolf rider boys are not there because she would probably knock all three of them on their butts to get to drink. Most definitely. (laughs) And I'm here for it. (laughs) So, so, you know, we learn that, and we saw this a little bit in Final Quest, um, that in addition to being spoiled rotten and a little bit obnoxious and sometimes a brat, Mm-hmm. that Trinket is this, she's sort of fascinated by not just shiny, pretty things by the mm-hmm. typical troll definition, you know, gold and jewels and all that. I think she probably loves all that stuff too. Right. But she's attracted to things that trolls typically aren't, you know, flowers, elves. Mm-hmm. She thinks differently. Mm-hmm. And she is a whole, I mean, it's a whole thing that has come up that I never even saw coming. Mm-hmm. in this story right like right. wow who would have thought that trinket would show up and suddenly become this like really cool character mm-hmm. you know frankly i've kind of always been annoyed by trinket i didn't yeah. really like her, but now <laughs> i love her um you know and so you know she's a typical troll she's kind mm-hmm. of bossy and opinionated and mm-hmm. all of that but she's again very kind of enamored with jink and jink flirts right back too she gives her a little nose tickle and makes her sneeze and so <laughs> I don't know where this is all going, but I'm liking it. I'm liking it. I love how like Trinket sings to her, like, why not stay? <laughs> like, I'm like, go ahead, Trinket, shoot your shot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the next thing that I love is that as you know, now they've kind of visited everybody, mm-hmm. they decide to 
again, let's let's go visit the Sun Village, you know, where oh, yes. such an important place for the elves on the world of two moons. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that Trinket joins them. Yes. You know, and I kind of feel like this is Jinx's squad. It's like yeah. her world of two moons squad. And they're going to be continuing the rest of this quest together. I really I don't hope know. so. I mean, maybe not, but I hope so, right? Wouldn't it be yeah. so awesome? That would be amazing. I really feel, because I feel like Trinket would be interested in seeing some other places, doing some other right. things, you know, being a little flirty. And, <laughs> you know, I would love for the, our little, our beautiful sisters here to go looking for their father. So I really would love to see what would ha- what happens with this trio. I well, think got, it- Yeah, we've got three issues left after this. So let's yeah. hope. That we a lot more of an action, but you know, again, like this whole issue, there's so much good about it. Every every you know next scene, I'm like, oh my god, this is my favorite scene, and then I get to the yeah. next one. Oh my god, this is the, my favorite one, and this <laughs> whole little interaction with Trinket is one of my all time favorite scenes. I want to say honestly, it all of ElfQuest, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, right? we all love ElfQuest, right? So, you know, they're talking about. Well, first they're talking about how, you know, time passes differently in different parts of the universe and it's mm-hmm. like time and space and E equals MC squared and all of these advanced <laughs> physics that are probably beyond most of our, our brains unless you really study this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm right there with Trinket. I'm like, what? Time is time all over. Period. <laughs> it's like, no, but depends on where you are. And, you know, so... You know, who, I, I'm I'm perfectly happy to be on Trinket's level and just accept that right. these things happen and I don't need to fully understand them. But, exactly. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of, they get into this conversation about how, you know, time and Jink brings up, you know, maybe the other high ones who originally left the star home, mm-hmm. you know, when it was, be, when it was declining, you know, the original mm-hmm. high ones were one of those pods. And actually this mm-hmm. is kind of important maybe to revisit for a second. So if you go back to the original quest, right, and when Tumane, you know, first returns to her high one form, mm-hmm. and she kind of, you know, possesses little Suntop mm-hmm. and uses voice as she's spinning the scroll of colors, where she basically narrates the history of the high ones who came to the world of two moons mm-hmm. for the elves and the trolls, right? Right, and what she says is that you know they started out like any other you know presumably mammal maybe they're not mammals i don't know but mm-hmm. you know they kind of evolved from you know more animalistic forms up into right. these these sort of high beings and that they developed all this technology and they actually left the planet mm-hmm. <clears throat> they were mm-hmm. able to travel and all that but they returned and that return is what kind of woke their magic and they moved mm-hmm. away from technology to being these magical beings. And they right. use that magic to really kind of, you know, kind of grow and shape and care for the original star home. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. as the planet went through its normal natural cycle and was beginning to decline, mm-hmm. they made the choice to leave the planet and head to the stars. So I think, right. you know, that's important because could they have stayed on the planet and used their magic to rebirth it like the new high ones did? Sure, right? Mm-hmm. But they made the choice to do something different, right? right? And their choice at that point in time, whatever timeline they were on, I don't know, right? Right. <laughs> they made that choice to live 
you know, as these beings of fire and, and physicality and travel the stars and take right. shape, you know, who knows how many of those pods left. And that would have been right. like a gajillion years after they originally left, right? Right, so exactly. That wave, they all left. And the planet, what would life was left on, it just kind of shriveled. Mm-hmm. And you know, we saw what that was like at the end of Final Quest. So that this has always been a question since that you know the final chapter of the original quest mm-hmm. what happened to all of the other pods and the so many question. fans out there i know you are dying to know the answer to that i am too and yes. so i think well not i don't, I don't think i know <laughs> the answer to that from how this all goes down but before we get to the very end of the issue and that specific thing just going back to trinket you know they're 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 talking about, you know, these other pods and, and Yun says that, you know, Skyway said that her pod on the world of two moons might actually act as like a star a candle flame mm-hmm. guiding other high ones to come check out what's going on. And, you know, Trinket says, and trolls, because the trolls would have been in all those pods as well. Right. And, you know, true to her trollish, you know, sort of self-esteem, she says elves can't run a palace ship by themselves. Only trolls can look after things possible properly. Which right. I love. Um, <laughs> you know, Jing points out, but maybe they wouldn't be elves at all because the high ones can take whatever shape they want. You know, they could be who knows what. You know, they could be, I don't even know. My brain can't even think of something good to say, but right. Um, but Trinket claps back and she says, Well, trolls are always trolls. You can't improve on perfection. Okay, girl. <laughs> Her so, sass so- levels are life for me and I love every single minute of it exactly number one she is crushing on Jink which I think is cute Mm -hmm. number two she is not afraid to break all of the rules of troll society and doesn't give two patoots about who she you know think who who thinks she's weird because of it exactly number three even though she can kind of shirk the trollish culture and you know the norms of being she is still a proud troll mm-hmm. and happy about it. You know, mm-hmm. she has no self-esteem issues being, yes. you know, the, the perfect troll that she is. And I love, <laughs> love, love that. And lastly, I love her hat, which is just like her dad's. Yes. It is so <laughs> adorable. You know, and she's trinketed it up with all of her over-the-top, gushingly disgusting pink bows and ribbons. Yes. But... She still has that old school, you know, sun hat, just like Picknose wore mm-hmm. way back in the original quest. Mm-hmm. And again, another visual cue just from the character design of who this character is. Yes. And I think it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. 100%. So we need to like form like a trinket fan club or something yes, most definitely i'm not creative enough to come up with a fun name but you are so that's your task after this is to found the trinket fan club and come up with a good name for it oh yeah and you can be the founder and i'll be the you know the the secretary <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so this scene ends with them saying well you know if if the pod could potentially be a candle for mm-hmm. other high ones out there, why don't we leave a little piece here? And so they create a second little palace. Yes. Now, if you remember, Yun's pod was formed from the original little palace, yes. which Ekwar shaped on the first trip that the palace took to the Sun Village mm-hmm. and gave to Saba. And yes. it stayed with the Sun Villagers 
until the humans invaded and Audrey ended up like hiding, you know, running up to the top of the bridge of destiny. She got shot with an arrow. She got wrapped up by the preservers with the little palace. Mm-hmm. Trolls later found her and, you know, took her cocoon to use her as a slave. But we learned in final quest that again, because of the mistreatment of the trolls on behalf of the elves, mm-hmm. just the sight of that little crystal palace triggered all of their, you know, sort of their fears and their nightmares yeah. about being enslaved again. And, you know, trolls react with anger and violence and they smashed it. Mm-hmm. And so then good old uh, egg, I'm sorry, good old door made his way there and found mm-hmm. it and he shaped it, you know, back into the little palace and, you know, brought it back to the elves and then it got turned into Yun's palace spot. So just a little narrative history there of how we got from <laughs> there to here of the little palace. But so now there's a second little palace that is put back in place behind the sun symbol on the bridge Mm -hmm. of destiny, which links us up to, or actually maybe back to, since these stories were told 25 years ago, the Jink Rebel Future Quest stories, where they find the little palace there. Now we know how it got back there. Yes. It really, everything just really came full circle with that. And when I really saw that, when I saw that they were making a new little palace, that's where my mind immediately went. I'm like, it's Future Quest. It's it's the Rebel. Like my voice got like all pitchy. My cat looked at me like, girl, if you don't calm down. (laughs) (laughs) No, please don't calm down. (laughs) Um, So that kind of wraps up the the part, the, the jink, adventure part of mm-hmm. this issue so let's talk about the skywise adventure part of this issue yes. um which you know hope isn't really quite as long or in depth but mm-hmm. where we last saw skywise he was just so overwhelmed he doesn't he still doesn't know what's going on mm-hmm. you know essentially you can think of skywise as having brain damage you know like he has had part of his mind wiped out mm-hmm. innocently by jink but of course it was devastating so he doesn't know what's going on. He just knows that he's lost something and he kind of goes on this crazy mission without even really thinking about it off into space. And mm-hmm. he's, you know, his quest is, it's almost like an inward quest so far, right? Yeah. It's not a lot of outward adventure the way that Jink is having, but right. But he ends up asking Thistlecap, the preserver who accompanied him to wrap him up in, in, in wrap stuff so that he could really just kind of rest. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where we left him. So his part of the tale starts with Thistlecap ripping open his cocoon mm-hmm. because it senses the call of a palace ship. Mm-hmm. Now, back in the original quest, we learned that that was one of the preserver's main functions. They could always, they were so tied to those pods and mm-hmm. to the star home right. that they were little homing beacons or compasses or whatever that would always be able to detect and lead back to the, that that those palace pods right mm-hmm. and so Thistlecap wakes Skywise up and is like I I I, I can hear the call of the palace mm-hmm. and it's out there and Skywise is like um, you know I don't know where we are but we're far from the star home so how can there be a palace or you know that kind of call right and so he's he's like wait and he says by the three moons instead mm-hmm. of by the two moons because the star home has three moons mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you caught that. Yeah, I did. I love that. Yeah. So, you know, he's like, look, it's a world, but it's nothing like the star home. Mm-hmm. And so Thistlecap and Skywise take their pod down to that world. 
Mm-hmm. And um, this next page where you see this panel by panel progression yes. of the pod getting closer, like entering the atmosphere, and then you can see land masses, and then you get closer and you could see what looks like ruins and you get even closer mm-hmm. and it says you know, ruins skeletons of once mighty cities. Mm-hmm. And you see this ocean that's been vaporized. Yes. This is unlike any elf quest that we've seen before. Completely. Right? I mean, taking, setting aside the future quest stories, you know, if you, if you start from the original quest and you mm-hmm. go story-wise sequentially from point A to point B, mm-hmm. we've never seen alien cityscapes drawn in detail mm-hmm. yeah. in the pages of elf quest. Right. And I think Sonny gets a lot of credit for this weird, creepy, again, otherworldly, depressing, post-apocalyptic feel. Yeah. Here. Um, I'm just guessing, but I, I, these pages to me just scream Sonny. The yeah. color, so color, again, we've talked about this a lot. The, the color palette of the star home is totally mm-hmm. the world of two moons. And now we're yes. seeing a third planet with a completely different vibe just based on color yeah you know yeah it, it really shows that there are everything is different you know it really shows that nothing is really the same and I, I really appreciate that because most of the time when you read comics and everything some things just always look the same even when it's a different place or a different location so it's hard to differentiate but with this you really can tell it's a whole other world and like you said, it's the complete opposite of what we know from the world of two moons, because we know that intimately. Um, and then what we know about the star home, it's a completely different feel. It's very, like you said, eerie. It's creepy. <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, I don't know if I like this too much. <laughs> I'm like, hold on, y'all. Now, don't do this to me now. <laughs> I was well, just having a good time. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I mean, it's kind of, if you think of the star home kind of, again, it's like a paradise, yes. you know, like a heaven, if you want to use that word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is kind of a hellscape, you know, it's, yeah. and it's clearly hinted at that this was a disaster that, that did this. It wasn't just sort of the natural decay of the planet, like some kind of, you know, nuclear apocalypse equivalent mm-hmm. on whatever this planet is. And um, the the top panel one on the, that next page after they come down onto the planet mm-hmm. and you see these people yep. in gas masks mm-hmm. and again all this po- post-apocalyptic gear and we don't know what they are right mm-hmm. I mean what does it say the narration says what possible power could vaporize more than half a vast deep sea bearing an eerie rugged floor never meant to be seen by animal high one or man mm-hmm. and that that's said on the panel where you see these beings and they're on the mm-hmm. surface, but you know, clearly the air isn't good to breathe. And, and I honestly haven't zoomed in really close to see what's going on in the background. Let me do that now. Yeah. It's like they have a bag and they're carrying stuff mm-hmm. tools, and again, these gas masks and everything, who knows what they are. Are these the original inhabitants of this planet? Right. You know, who, who are they? And so Skyways thinks, you know, are they humans? I don't know. I don't understand what happened. But the hum of the palace is getting stronger because now Skywise is picking up on it too, mm-hmm. which again, I thought was a neat consistency. If you remember back to the original quest, how, you know, the elves could feel the call of the palace, the yes. hum of the palace. 
Mm-hmm. And then when it was restored in Kings of the Broken Wheel, you know, it got even a bigger hum. And then eventually mm-hmm. when Sunstream put out the call mm-hmm. all around the entire globe of the world, yes. it kind of was all, it was all the same thing, was the call of the palace. Right. The Skywise is now feeling because he's right there and they see this like twisted, melted, what do they call it? Um, a distorted mountain that once might have been otherworldly crystal. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on that? Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is? I mean, my when I first saw this, my initial thought was that maybe it was its own palace, like our palace that we know. Right. Um, but of course, seeing it in this shape and this disfigured and this, oh my gosh, like the, the destructive look of it. I mean, not necessarily that it's destructive, but just of everything that it has probably experienced. Um, it really kind of throws you for a loop and yet you can see those colors along the outline of it that reminds you so much of the pod and a palace and so it really makes me that was my initial thought that maybe this is some sort of palace from others who traveled but just seeing it in this form is what really kind of makes you go like well now wait a minute hold on something's not right here Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that's pretty clear, right, from mm-hmm. when they introduced it, that it's got to be, right? It's got to be right. another palette that, that that is what Thistlecap was picking up on. And mm-hmm. But it's kind of scary to think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the palace as we came to know mm-hmm. it on the World of Two Moons. You know, it right. really was the most powerful thing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. Almost, it was so powerful that the elves had to choose not to use it mm-hmm. because it would basically ruin. <laughs> it was so, you know, it was, it was like a, a <laughs> God and the embodiment of a, of a, of a physical structure. Right. right? Exactly. So much and while it did get covered in a glacier and kind of go dormant and decay a little bit on the mm-hmm. world of tunes, um, this one seems to have gone even further into ob- oblivion. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, all I can guess was that there was some kind of nuclear apocalypse equivalent on this planet, mm-hmm. and it literally melted that palace pod. Yeah. Now, could that pi- palace pod be restored? You know, I don't know. I mean, it opens up all right. these like that we've never encountered before. Exactly. Um, Skywise and Thistlecap get out of their pod, and of course, like Skywise can't breathe. We learn that preservers don't breathe either. Yeah, which is that was that was amazing to me. And when when Thistlecap said, you know, Thistlecap no puff puff in and out like high things, <laughs> but no like anyways. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, so they don't breathe the way that well they don't breathe. They don't have to breathe in. They don't have to like I'm thinking. But I love that even though she's not or it's not breathing in, it's still like. I don't, I may not be breathing, but I don't like this either. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? Well, wearing my naturalist hat, insects in the real world don't breathe the same way that we breathe. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. They respirate, but they have spiracles and other ways of kind of exchanging gases. And so Mm -hmm. presumably, since the preservers are 
evolved from insect life forms that they right. breathe, they respirate in a different way. So they don't have two lungs the way that we do, even though they have humanoid bodies. So, mm-hmm. and presumably they can get whatever gases they need to survive in a wide variety of atmospheres that say the elves can't necessarily, but um, <laughs> so anyway, they find a way into this melted, twisted, presumable palace pod and, you know, basically fall in and fly down the chute. <laughs> and here is another visual reference back mm-hmm. to the original quest. Yes. Because again, when Tamane is talking about the history of the High Ones at Quest's end after the big battle with the trolls, she's showing scenes from the, the High Ones history and you mm-hmm. see the inside of the, the, the palace pod and it has this weird spirally thing going on in it yes. that we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. So again, more evidence to me that this is another Paiwan's pod. Yes. And something horrible happened to it here. Yes. But it's not Paiwan's in it. Mm-mm. Give us the big reveal of what's in it. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but they are, in a way, initially, your mind goes troll. But they're not the trolls that we know from the world of two moons. If anything, they remind me more of two edge in their appearance. But so it seems to me like maybe these are some kind of evolved um, trolls that, you know, maybe originally were there in the palace, but over the time they evolved, our trolls evolved into the lovable creatures we know, <laughs> but maybe these guys evolved into something else. They cute though. <laughs> they are, aren't they? A whole other group for you to fandrel over. <laughs> oh yeah, I got at least two husbands right here. <laughs> right, wait, wait, which are your two husbands? Silverbeard, okay. Blackbeard. Silverbeard and Blackbeard. Okay, so you go for the the face fur. I'm with you on that. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I have to get to know the ginger a little better, but these two immediately, I was like, ha, you and you, amen. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, okay, so again, more brilliant storytelling here mm-hmm. because just pages earlier, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to us as we were reading it the first time, right? You get this whole setup in that little conversation between Jink and Trinket, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Trinket is saying, trolls are always trolls. Mm-hmm. they're not going to look any different you know at least not majorly different right we're right. Per- perfect as we are and so you look at these fellows and they're clearly trollish right? right so they could just simply be this pod's modern day version of mm-hmm. the little trolls you know that the equivalent of which crash landed on the world of two moons and evolved quickly exactly. into the gnarly warty kind of trolls that that the world of two moons is populated with but without the circumstances that those World of Two Moons trolls faced, Mm -hmm. these trolls obviously didn't get the, you know, if they are trolls, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of stayed more to the form of the original first comer trolls. You know, they don't have quite the big potato noses with the warts Mm -hmm. and everything on them. They're a little bit more refined and less craggy and rock-like and all that kind of thing. But they're, they still could very clearly just be trolls. Mm-hmm. But then you have Jinx comment saying, well, the high ones, other high ones out there could take any shape they want. 
Mm -hmm. what if these are the high ones of that palace ship and they took the form instead of elves they took the form of you know the 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 pre-trolls before they were Mm -hmm. trolls right and maybe that's them and maybe they're working to restore their own palace Mm -hmm. it's possible it is very possible because my my thought was initially when i said okay they must be trolls. But then in the back of my head, I'm saying, well, these are the trolls. What happened to the high ones right. that were on the ship? What happened to them? Where'd they go? So, I mean, unless something catastrophic happened, like what happens with ours, it's possible. But like, like Jinx said, I mean, they can take any shape that they want. So it is very possible that they are in this form and they're trying to get their pot back to working. Right. And we won't find out until the next issue. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Actually, hopefully we find out in the next issue, but it would be hopefully. just like Wendy and Richard to drag this out until the very, very end and keep us. Yep. Um, so the only other thing that I had um, was this weird flying creature. And what is that? Yes. Is that yeah. this, this pod's version of what the insect creatures evolved into. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very different from the preservers of the world of two moons. Mm-hmm. But it, it, can, it can clearly speak or communicate because the one fellow, what does he say? Um, Hooktail says mm-hmm. something came down topside. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming Hooktail is a little flying creature with a little hooktail, but you know, right. I could be wrong about that. But, um, but it's there, it's looking, it seems sentient. So, mm-hmm. you know, my guess is that that's got to be, again, some version of what preservers. the evolved into in that pod. And these folks could either be the trolls and the high ones are gone, missing, wiped out, or maybe the trolls are gone, missing, or wiped out. And in order to survive in this harsher environment, mm-hmm. the high ones of that pod shape themselves into sturdy trolls. Mm-hmm. So... We shall see. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? One thing that we did not touch on mm-hmm. that I did want to call out, mm-hmm. which is pretty creepy, and that is the very first scene of the issue. Oh, okay. Um, is Skywise dreaming in the in the in the preserver cocoon that he's in within his palace pod, mm-hmm. and he dreams he's dreaming of Jink you know, as a child, which is what she was when he left mm-hmm. and to Maine, and they're kind of comforting to him as he's stressing, but then to kind of gets closer and closer, but she starts to morph a little bit. And then suddenly her face is completely blank. And what does it say? Suddenly faceless, unknowable and terrifying. Yes. I mean, you've had a dream like that before, haven't you? Oh, most Here. definitely. You know, um, and it is terrifying, mm-hmm. you know, where you see like a, something about a faceless being is just terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it took me a minute, took me a couple of reads to really kind of figure out what was going on there. Like, why would Skyways be terrified and having a faceless dream about Tamane? But then it hit me, you know, like a brick, like duds, because Tamane and Cutter are the same being. Mm-hmm. And so in the spirit realm of dreams, Skywise is making that kind of spirit level connection, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so as he's getting closer and closer to Tamane's soul 
I suppose, his mind wipe is beginning to wipe her out too. Mm. I don't know Most what you're definitely. Taking. Yeah, because it's very, I was thinking very similar. Um, and the other thought that popped into my mind was that because of the confusion of everything that took place even before the mind wipe, and then of course the mind wipe, it's almost like he doesn't fully understand or know who it's like kind of like that that state of who Tamane really is. But then, like you said, it's almost the closer she gets because Tamane and Tam, you know, we have all that wonderful stuff going on. It, I, I do agree. It's like, who are you? He's not even able to recognize Tamane. Um, the closer that she gets to him because of everything that has taken place. And that is truly terrifying. I would be terrified too. I'd be like, wait a minute, who is you? <laughs> yeah. So that pretty much does cover everything on Woo! my list of things to chat about. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to chat about? I think the only thing is, isn't necessarily what's in the, um, the issue. I'm just glad that we got this issue <laughs> after so long um, of a wait. Um, but of course, because of the pandemic, you know, um, I was just so happy that we were able to get this because I honestly didn't think that we were going to get this issue when we did. And I mean, of course, the safety and the health of everyone working on Stargazer's Hunt is much more important than, you know, my fangirling prowess. <laughs> but I was super excited when the news hit that we were getting it and that it was coming out. Um, and it really made me realize just how badly I needed this issue, you know, with all the swirling madness from the pandemic and uh, the current madness that the country is going through, the world is going through. Um, it really just, it hit me. I was like, yes, this is the beacon of light that I needed in this darkness. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just glad that we were able to get it. Yeah, me too. Um, and, you know, I think to end on that note, I hope everybody out there is finding stress relief and maybe even solace by diving yes. into the world of ElfQuest. There's yes. absolutely nothing wrong with you know, delving into this wonderful story that entertains us and lifts our spirits and gives us hope, you know? I mean, that's what mm -hmm. ElfQuest is all about. And I think right now, turning to the, the, the those comfortable worlds that we enjoy and, you know, finding comfort is, is even more legit now than ever. And I guess, yeah. you know, my final thought is, I my hope is that we ElfQuest fans can take the spirit and the vibe and the hum that the the peenies have put into ElfQuest all of these years, which really does boil up to this idea of treating each other the best way that we can. Yes. And that we can take that spirit out into the world because the world needs some healing right now. And yes. I try to channel that powerful lesson that I have learned from being an ElfQuest fan out into the world every single day. And I know a lot of others do too. And so let's all take care of each other and be a force for positive change. Woo, go ElfQuest. <laughs> all right, well now with that heavy note out of the way, 
Mm-hmm. I want to thank you again, Shekinah. It has been a pleasure and a delight, as I knew it would be, to have mm-hmm. you on guest hosting with me. And um, I hope that everything's cool in your world and yeah. that maybe sometime down the line, you'll be willing to join me again. Oh, most definitely. I cannot wait. I hope that you will do me the honor <laughs> of inviting me again. I This was so much fun. I was so happy when you asked and oh, I was fangirling and all emotional and like falling out. And my cat's just looking at me like, girl, you get on my nerve. <laughs> but I am so glad that you asked me. This was so much fun. And um, thank you so much for just for doing these podcasts. I cannot tell you how much I look forward to hearing them whenever they drop. They are like the light of my life. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Well, now you have seen the sausage and how these things get made. So yeah. uh, hopefully you'll still enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I'm going to let you go. And, um, you know, a big shade and sweet water to everybody out there. Stay safe and we'll see you next time. Bye. Well, that's it for another episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen. It really helps get more exposure for ElfQuest. Join the discussion about this episode and all things ElfQuest on Facebook in the ElfQuest fan group. You can also follow ElfQuest the official page there, and on Twitter, follow at ElfQuest, and Instagram, follow at ElfQuest Comics. Head to ElfQuest.com for links to all of these social media groups and to read free online comics. Get official ElfQuest merchandise, read hundreds of character bios, make your own cool ElfQuest avatar, and tons of other amazing ElfQuest stuff. ElfQuest is published by Dark Horse Comics in both print and digital editions. Visit your local comic shop or bookstore and ask for ElfQuest. Or head to digital.darkhorse.com or comicsology.com for instant downloads. Until next time, shade and sweet water. <laughs>